Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. This is Kathy. I'm a sexaholic. My sobriety date is June 5th, 05, and I live in the Louisville, Kentucky area, and I have 10 meetings in Louisville. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to start by uh, just listing some of the forms of acting out, which have included um, fantasy, masturbation, lusting after others, wanting to be lusted after, exhibitionism, voyeurism, adultery. Um, I'm sure there are others, and I'm sure they'll come to light as, as I talk. Um, but a majority of my time has been just lost in fantasy, and I have struggled with, I have absent memories from a lot of places and times in my life because I wasn't there. Uh, and just to make a bridge from my last share when I was telling my story, um, I got very involved. What brought me to my bottom was being very involved in um the computer, uh, chat rooms, internet pornography, and then I found um, <clears throat> phone sex, and uh, it was on the phone sex lines that I really uh, escalated, and I had rationalized that uh, wasn't hurting anyone, this wasn't real, it wasn't sex, I wasn't going to get an STD, uh, beaten up, killed, raped, um, or pregnant. So this was uh, a solution to me, and I rationalized away a lot of things and really violated uh, my own moral code. It was on the phone sex line that I um, was introduced to recovery, actually. I was speaking with someone in Western Canada, and he shared with me that he was in relapse from a program. He was also a mental health worker, and he told me that I was very sick and that I needed help. And I find that to be evidence that the message can be carried anywhere and that um, my higher power has a sense of humor. So I took the 800 number that he gave me and I called it and uh, it took a while to get meetings in this area because that particular fellowship, I needed to be, I needed to have a contact, get 12 stepped in and then could begin meetings. Um, I had lost my job because of chronic tardiness. Um, from not sleeping while I was acting out. And uh, so ironically, my very first meeting was on a Friday afternoon um, at 12 o'clock. I came straight from acting out, and the meeting was on the campus of the place from where I had been employed. Um, So it was kind of scary to show up there for a meeting. I was feeling very, I definitely had the gift of desperation. I... um, was terrified, but I was determined. I I saw no other way out, and I really did believe that I could die, and I still do. Um, I came into a meeting. There were were approximately 12 uh, people there, and I was the only woman, and I stared at the floor and at the table the entire time. And uh, I just I just likened it to the Titanic was going down. I saw a lifeboat, and I jumped in it. I didn't care if they wanted me to be there or not. I didn't know how this was going to work, but I was 
I was desperate for a solution. Um, I spent a year and a half in that fellowship, and I had a sponsor. I did participate in meetings regularly as well as fellowship. Um, I joined a step study group, which blew apart around step four. Um, And as I was there a year and a half, I was beginning to pray, and I was realizing I had hit a plateau. I had stopped a lot of things. I had gotten some relief. In that particular fellowship, you were um, uh, allowed to set your own bottom line, and I just found that to be um, uh, not not, um, clear enough for me. So I was still masturbating at that time. Uh, I met someone who was in SA and introduced me, told me about that program. And so my first SA meeting, I walked into uh, this small church where I now go to meetings, and I was carrying my white book. I walked in, and there was one guy there. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And I held up my white book like a, uh, a pass and, you know, told him that I knew this other person and they had told me about meetings. So we had a meeting. And I have stayed um, with SA from that time on, and that was uh, 2001. So I have a sponsor, and I do sponsor people. I've worked the steps um, with my sponsor as well as I've been to workshops and I've been in situations at international conferences where they have set aside time where you go in and and do some writing. And so um, I regularly attend meetings in this area. We have three meetings at this time, and I regularly attend two of them. Um, I'm the treasurer for my Saturday morning group. I have uh, lost count of the number of international conventions that I've attended. Uh, I find them to be like uh, family reunions. Uh, and again, the first, my first one was in the early 2000s, and it was in Chicago, and I, I was really terrified. And, and I just I wanted to stay in my room and cry the whole time. And, uh, I didn't. I didn't isolate, and I participated. And it was there were approximately uh, 600 people there. And 599 people did not come running up to me and tell me I was in the wrong place. So I found my people, and um, I am very grateful for that recovery. I also attend um, regional workshops and, you know, one-day marathons and things like that. Um, In sponsoring people, I take them through. um, I use the big book, the 12 and 12, and our literature the white book as well as um, our step into action and and take them through that. Primarily, that's been long distance over the phone or occasionally being able to meet up with someone. I have had the privilege of working the steps face-to-face with a couple of people, and and I'm currently doing that now, and it's a great growing experience. Um, I've learned that um, I'm there to listen, to guide, to walk alongside, and to be myself. Early in recovery, I would hear people sponsor, and and I thought I had to be tough and a drill sergeant type because I saw people with long-term sobriety, and that seemed to be the way that they did it. And uh, I learned quickly those were not my – that was not my strong suit, and it just kind of came out all wrong. And um, so I'm learning in recovery to be who I am and to be okay with that, and I have plenty of character defects that are continuing to be 
revealed. Um, after, uh, I want to back up just a little bit. Starting in SA, um, <clears throat> I um, was divorced and single, single mom. And um, I met someone and I had had fear when I began dating again. How do I reveal this without putting myself at risk from someone who would find that to be a, a weak point to be used or that would be such a good person that they would reject me and um, I would be damaged goods and they would want nothing from me. So I really didn't know how to uh, to share that and God took care of that and took that away. I met a man at uh, Billy Graham Crusade and um, we talked, we were going to the book section, and, and uh, we talked, and it turned out we were both in recovery, both sober, and so we began um, to see each other, and we had a um, six-year-long courtship, <clears throat> and uh, we lived in different cities, and so we each had our own churches and our own um SA meetings is, you know, occasionally we would do things together in SA, but we just kept that to ourselves until we were engaged in St. Louis with the convention, and we got married in 2007, and uh, by a miracle of God, and not by me, um, we did not consummate our relationship until our wedding night. And my previous record of waiting to have sex with someone, I believe, was a month, um, so I still marvel at that and what God did. Um, when we got married, um, we had our honeymoon for a week in Chicago, and I thought if ever there was a time that I could take a break from meetings, it would be during my honeymoon. However, due to the uh, leadership of my husband, <clears throat> he insisted that we attend um, meetings every day, and we did, and we went to... Um, AA meetings, SA meetings, SA couple meetings, and we got to connect with a lot of people in the fellowship there. And that I, you know, after we had done that, I was so grateful that we had done that because it really helped to bond us. It helped us uh, begin our journey of our marriage and sobriety, and we got to connect with a lot of really cool people in SA who was very supportive of us. Um, so we've had our 10th anniversary this year. Uh, as I said, we're both in SA. Most of the meetings we attend, we're there together, and occasionally that raises challenges. However, um, we basically have an agreement. We share whatever we need to share in a meeting to stay sober, and then we'll sort the rest out at home. Um, and that works for us. And so we have a common language. We have a common solution. Um, we're able to share with one another. Um, I'm very blessed that we don't have broken trust between us. And I think we both feel a great um, responsibility to uh, maintain each our programs and our connection with God, and that's what helps us be able to stay together and work together. And um, we'd like to preserve that continued trust. Um, so we use tools of the program in order to work through our conflicts and issues. Um, sobriety for me has not become this nirvana where I have no problems and everything works out great all the time. Um, I 
get to use the tools of the program to address um, challenges that come up in my life. Um, you know, I had a, a, a daughter who uh, ran away as a teenager and had a teenage pregnancy and, and has dealt with her own addiction issues. And as I like to say, she achieved a Ph.D. in prodigal child. Um, we have a good relationship today. She's doing well. And um, my recovery community and, and the tools of the program helped me to stay engaged with that. And um, I also have struggled over the years with uh, depression and anxiety. I also have a couple of chronic medical illnesses, and um, which has helped me to see um, how... I have a daily reprieve in those as well as this program and how taking care of myself and addressing things allows me to have a healthy and um, productive life. Um, I am in my late 50s. I am working full-time. I'm actively involved in my church, and I'm also involved in a ministry that is uh, reaching out um, to victims of human sex trafficking and helping women get out of um, the local strip clubs, which is an area that my daughter also participated in. And thankfully, she's out of that. Um, I have to really be realistic. I don't go and visit the clubs at such time where God tells me that that's what he wants me to do. I'm willing. But at this point in time, I haven't gotten that message, so I'm there to do other things in the ministry and participate in a uh, Bible study group and uh, support group and, you know, run errands, give people rides, do whatever kind of needs doing in there. And it's an awesome opportunity. Um, I've shared my story there, and so there's opportunity to carry the message. I'm not promoting it, but I am open with who I am and what I've been through. And it's just a blessing to me to see God take the mess of my past life, the mistakes and errors and, and um brokenness that I've experienced and it amazes me how God puts me with people who I can share those and they become uh, strengths not weaknesses in my life and I'm able to walk along somebody, some, along with people um, the big book says we're people who would not normally mix and I have met a great array of people that otherwise we wouldn't likely have crossed paths and I really consider it an honor and privilege I'd also like to say that the majority of my recovery time, has, I've been the only woman in the group. Uh, currently, that's not so, and I'm really grateful for that opportunity. There are three of us regularly attending meetings here now, and that's a great privilege. But I will say that coming into recovery and coming into groups with all men has been such a gift. It's helped me realize that not only do men objectify women, but I was objectifying men. I didn't know that. Learned a lot about myself. There was a necessity to learn good boundaries and how to communicate in a healthy way with men and protect myself. And um, so I have benefited greatly by um, by being in mixed meetings, and that is um, a continued blessing. Um, I did go through a really dark period early on in recovery in, in around the year 2001 or 2002, I don't know, 
And I share this because I want people to know that there is hope in the darkest of places. Um, I had, for lack of better words, I guess, uh, a nervous breakdown. I was seeing a therapist and my doctor every day, and they were talking to one another on the phone. Um, I recall, and I'm in healthcare, so I knew I was in serious trouble when my doctor was calling my therapist, and they were communicating and coming up with a plan for me because that's unusual. And um, I was asked to sign a no-suicide contract, which I did, and I I was I couldn't sleep. I would go to upwards of five to six meetings a day of some sort, be it AA, Al-Anon, SA, anything I could find. And I would go and I would sit in those meetings and I would feel safe. Um, I would go and, and, and eat with people, and I remember one man came and he had this little dog named Tina, and he used to let me hold her and pet her, so I had my own pet therapy, and I had to uh, have my daughter go live with other family members, and I remember this very well-to-do woman in my church came and scooped my my cat's litter box. I literally couldn't function, and uh, I took short-term disability, and um, through God's grace of bringing a lot of people in my life, uh, I was able to survive that, and uh, I used slogans. I wrote things on, and hung them on the cabinet door, or hung them on the wall, or hung them on the um, little bedside table I had. So when I opened my eyes, I saw recovery. I saw slogans. I saw scripture, and I prayed. And I had someone in the fellowship who came and would would spend the night with me and just pray over me and read me scripture, read me the the literature, and I, I stayed sober through that. And um, I will never forget that, and I also know I, I can't afford to go through that again, and it is very important for me to continue to work my program so that I don't go through um, that sort of darkness again. So... Um, with that, I think I'll wrap that up. I'm grateful to be sober, and I have a healthy, productive life with plenty of challenges, and now I've got a toolbox and people around me to help me through. And I'm grateful you all are there, and I look forward to um, seeing each and every one of you at the conventions whenever that's possible, and thank you for listening. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.